Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Ben, was that you singing at the end there? That was really good. (laughs) I didn't know you can hit the high notes like that. (laughs) Uh, That's a great song, Michael Girardi. And... um could do a whole segment on that uh, song, The Old Neighborhood. And I got to give him credit, Michael Jordan, I got to give him a lot of credit because he's being very honest in that song about the changes that Chicago neighborhoods have gone through. And I'm old enough to have lived through uh, many of those changes and watching them from afar because I'm not from Chicago. Uh, and Chicago, has there has never been a reckoning, as he says in the song. There has never been a moment where Chicago had sort of looked in the mirror and go, why did I panic? Why did I panic when a black person came on my block? Why did I feel compelled just to run and move? And this goes back, folks. Oh, Ben, what about crime? This, that, and the other thing. This goes back to the turn of the freaking century, the last century. And uh, M- Michael Girardi's song there, D, says a lot without saying a lot, if you get what I'm saying. There's a lot under the surface there, if you know anything about Chicago. And I, I get the feeling that Michael Girardi's from the southwest side. I think I knew that anyway. So Michael Girardi... I am wearing a hat. I'm wearing a hat on my beloved Chicago Bulls, and I am tipping my hat to you, young man. That is a great, great song. Your Ben Jarofsky show. Oh, what a week it was. Butter cows and bitter pigs. For Friday, August 13th, is brought to you by the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, and, of course, today's show brought to you by the Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what kind of pot to smoke, and so much more. Chicago Reader, ChicagoReader.com. Uh, yes, that's right, Doogie Buttercow. That's right. <laughs> A lot of Buttercow clips going on today, okay, guys? Get ready for that. Uh, and no Frank, uh, I was going to give you a song of the day. We miss, we've been missing song of the day uh, for the past few weeks. Ben, you just want to sing a random song for us and give us a, a song of the week to kick us off or what? 445, heading for the subway home. I took my time because I felt so all alone. Those suspenders, ladies and gentlemen, everybody together. Gays people play night, day, just like magic. Boom. Oh, man, that was so awful. The Ben Jarofsky show <laughs> starts now. It is Friday, August 13th. Holy crap. Friday the 13th. And live from my apartment and his attic, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Chicago Grows Friday, and here's why. I'll tell you why. Because my beloved Bright One tells the story on the front page. Chicago's population went up. Chicago grow. <laughs> sometimes pun. Can the pun sometimes for at least a week. Anyway, Chicago grows. Yes, for months and months and years. Republicans have been telling us it's those evil Democrats who are driving people out of Illinois and Chicago. And now it turns out population went up in Chicago. 
just have to take a moment to say, hey, Republicans, what spin are you going to put on this one? And, you know, right now, Dave, these all these evil Republicans in their laboratory with their chemicals. I'm an evil Republican. They're going to come up with some spin. And then these poor uh, journalists who feel compelled to be like objective with their pipes are going to write columns like, hmm, they raise an interesting point. <laughs> anyway, I'm looking forward to reading all the spin coming out of <laughs> the Republican Party as to why everything they said was going to happen and didn't happen. But before we get to that, I'm going to turn things over to the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of Alton, Illinois. Because as everybody knows, if this show is a boat, he sails it on Friday. He's the captain of this boat every Friday with, oh, what a week it was. Oh, look at the old guy knowing the full name of the- <laughs> I've been waiting a long time for that moment. A long time. Look at that. The old guy got it right. Uh, oh, anyway. My heart is swelling. <laughs> Dr. D from Alton, Illinois. With, oh, what a week it was. How's it going, everybody? Uh, you talked about uh, a boat, me being the captain of the boat. Have you seen Jungle Cruise? No. Is it worth seeing? It's pretty good. I liked it. It's, uh, yeah. I, you know me, man. I don't really you know, go too crazy over movies. That movie, I saw the preview. I was like, I want to see that movie. <laughs> you, you're a fan of The Rock. So. I'm a fan of The Rock. I'm also a fan of just like, I don't know, cool action adventure movies. I was like, man, this would be a cool movie to get stoned and watch. And uh, yeah, it was. <laughs> I, I have a feeling that's what happened. Uh, and, and in that order, the stoned part and then the watch part. I tell you what, Whoa. though, this uh, streaming thing now, you know, with theaters not doing so well, uh, boy, this streaming thing's a scam. It cost me 30 bucks to watch it. No, that's a ripoff. <laughs> yeah, big time. And I'm, uh, that's a big time ripoff. That is a total ripoff. And I uh, take it from the old guy. Redbox. Ever heard of it? Ooh, well, it was, it's in point. theaters now, so you wouldn't be able to Redbox it until. A valid point. So if you really, really want to see it, uh, yes, and you want to see it right now. Uh, the argument has always been made to me, this tangible, with the tangible, we'll get to the news, that, well, Ben, you'd have to pay that much to go to a movie theater. Yeah, but you're going to a freaking movie theater. It's like a bigger screen, a better sound. You're paying some guy a salary. He's got a job. So, you know, it's not like sitting at home. Come on. Anyway, I turn things back to the doctor. Oh, thanks. How's it going, everybody? Uh, name's Dennis. Let's find out what happened in <laughs> Chicago and or Illinois. Threw it to me two times. Both times didn't call me Dennis. Let's find out what happened in Chicago and or Illinois this week. It's the butter cow, which has nine hearts to represent the nine essential nutrients in milk. That's right. It's made entirely out of butter. And, it, you know, it's a state fair tradition since at least 1922. Ah, Yes. The State Fair is happening this week, and we'll talk about it. But first, let's begin with our Illinois Governor, J.B. Pritzker. What did the governor sign into law this week, you may be asking? Well, on Tuesday, Pritzker signed legislation expanding access to the FMLA to educational support staff. Ben, for 10 trivia points, what does FMLA stand for? Uh, football, medical, Larry, and aviation. Oh, boy. So wrong. And no, it's not the <laughs> Fuck My Life Act. It's the Family and Medical Leave Act. I cannot believe you swore on... I am I, That caught me... <laughs> He's really loosened up, ladies and gentlemen, since those old days. Yeah, those old days uh, three years ago now. <laughs> I, I'm... Uh, I'm like... Uh, uh, and I remember the first conversation we had when we made the transition. 
I remember that conversation to both of us very earnestly saying, we're going to continue to work under the same rules as we uh, worked under in the old days on radio. We are not going to swear. I think I lasted about a week before. Uh, no, we lasted a while, you and me. And then, yeah. you know, we didn't have a studio. And it's like, I'm in my closet. You're in your attic. I think we could square, uh, swear now, you know? No, I think for me, the turning point, it, and I and I tell us to him all the time, uh, Adolfo Eldragon, dear friend of this show, walked into the studio dropping the apple. We weren't even... He, he like heard what we were talking about as he was coming into the old Suntime studio we had. And he was like, mother beep. I'm like, okay, then. <laughs> hey, what the fuck's going on, Ben? Like, oh my God, you're not even, you just walked in. You're not even on a microphone. By the way, remember the good old days when the guests would walk in? I'd be so excited. Do you remember those good old yeah, days? Yeah, oh, yeah. My guest is here. And you'd be like, Ben, don't announce. You should not feel compelled to announce every guest. I'm like a kid with some kind of like weirdness thing. Whoa. Oh, and then, it was, then it was my favorite thing when you would have your guest that you were talking to at the moment with a microphone in their face. And then you turn around and just start talking to the guest that's going to come on that doesn't have a microphone. No yes. one can hear what the hell you're talking about. Good. I miss the studio. Yeah, I missed the studio. To be like to the other guy, did you bring that book that I told you to bring? No, I didn't forget. To, I forgot to. I told you to bring the freaking book. And the other guest is going, I'm here and I'm waiting to talk politics. And then I say, ah, my favorite part of the show when Ben <laughs> talks to people without microphones. <laughs> anyway, family leave. Was it the Family Medical Leave Act? Good. Yeah. Yes. Finally. And this is why. Dennis, we make fun of him a lot on this show. We tease him. I'm a fan of J.B. Pritzker. Oh, you love him. I love the big fella. I'm I'm open about it. I come out and say it all the time. I didn't vote for him. I have to be honest. I'm not perfect. I am not a perfect person. Uh, isn't that the J.B. Pritzker? Ha, ha. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I try not to fall in love with politicians because it could come around and bite you in the booty. Yeah. Kind of like with what's going on with Cuomo at the moment. Ouch. Oh, that was well done, by the way. Oh, surgical and it's pinpoint precision. Uh, let the record show uh, in regards to a certain Governor Cuomo that it was a momentary thing with me. It was and I, it was a momentary thing, ladies and gentlemen. It lasted for, I don't know, a, day, a week. And it, before it, I couldn't stand the guy. And after that week was over, I still couldn't stand the guy. And by the way, I know I'm getting ahead of myself. That speech he gave where he stepped down was the most insincere speech I've heard a politician give, I want to say, in my life. And that includes speeches by Richard Milhouse Nixon. And well, Donald Trump, you can't say he's insincere because he doesn't even pretend that he is sincere. So that was Oh, my God. But you're right, D. It made me even more embarrassed for that moment in time where I was, you know, Dennis, I think he's doing a really good job. <laughs> Dennis is like, whatever you say, man. Um, so, you know, I think Pritzker's doing great, doing good things, too. But who knows what will happen in a year? You know what I mean? Then next thing you know, they play the audio of us going, oh, we love him. You know, you what, know I mean? what? I'll say this. OK. And that's a valid point. But I will say this. If, if he does something that really embarrasses me, I could say, you know, but he was good. And then he changed. Whereas with Cuomo, he was absolutely wretched his whole life, had that moment in time where he showed a, some leadership capabilities. 
And then he was back to being wretched again. And be, by the way, while he was being the leader and showing us what, uh, how, what a great leader he was and with regards to COVID, he was covering up deaths in nursing homes that his administration's policies contributed to. So he's God awful. And you know what, Dave, if, if, if something comes out about Pritzker and what can I say? You know, I'll have to say, oh, God, JB, why'd you do that? Oh, man, you're making me look mad. But, you know, I'm not going to be one of these guys who hates on a politician just because you're supposed to hate on him because you expect him like a year he's going to do something awful. Uh, oh, you mean like me? <laughs> uh oh, COVID. Okay. Still not funny. After a year of this damn thing, still not funny. So, what do you think the future holds for uh, Cuomo? I know this is an Illinois-themed uh, show, but what does the future hold for one uh, Andrew Cuomo? Because, yeah, he's still got the, the, the nursing home thing going on, too. I, I hope there's no political future for him. He's a god-awful politician, in my humble opinion. Um, I think that the voters of New York should ha- take a moment and look at themselves in the mirror and ask themselves the question, why did we keep electing this guy? Much as I, D, asked Chicagoans to do the same. Year after year, you elected Richard M. Daly. Year after year, two years, you, re- you elected Rahm Emanuel. Okay? You know, the jury is still out, in my humble opinion, on Lori Lightfoot, but she seems to be heading down the same path. The only thing that's kept her from doing, like, really exposing whether she has great ideas and great proposals or the same old feed the rich to take from the poor and feed the rich proposals is the pandemic, which has put a hold on the the grandiose schemes that mayors come up with. So I kind of like holding back a little bit on her, but in terms of temperament, in terms of transparency, a lack thereof, she's part of that, that, that ilk where they get that power, it goes to their heads. So, D, so much as Chicagoans have to look at themselves in the mirror and ask, why do I keep electing these autocratic bullies? I think New Yorkers have to ask themselves, why did you elect this guy year after year? He was such a bully. He was so contemptuous of anybody who dared to disagree with him. He surrounded himself with flunkies who told him only things that he wanted to hear. It's inflating his ego and his self sense of himself. And you kept electing him. Why? What does it say about you? New Yorkers. So I hope New Yorkers are doing a reflection. And if they do honest reflection, D, he will never have a political future. But he was leaving the door open for a political future by saying his behavior. Follow me on this, D. Okay. His behavior where 11 women have come forth to say he sexually harassed them, including like pawing them, groping them, putting his hands where, you know, they're not not supposed to go. Governor Cuomo. He goes, this is a political move, political investigation i'm like political it's all done by democrats you are a democrat there's nothing it's not political it's your behavior and now you're trying to defend your behavior by pulling a trump-like move and blaming unknown unseen forces no it's a disgraceful uh speech no sign of remorse and then d come on i know you're not a baby boomer trust i'm roughly the same age as andrew cuomo and he's like, well, it's a generational thing. No, it's not a generational thing. <laughs> nope, no. Most baby boomers don't go around pawing women. Like, just just randomly grabbing a woman by the butt. Nobody does that. You did it. 
Don't blame it. Generational thing. That's what Harvey Weinstein. Ever notice when a baby boomer gets in trouble? Well, it's a generational. Harvey Weinstein, nobody else did what you did. Okay? You're the only guy. Stop pinning it on the whole generation. Now, it's true. Baby boomers have a wretched job in terms of the people they've elected to public office. Yes, we should shame baby boomers for electing people like George W. Bush and Donnie Trump. But I'm sorry, Andrew Cuomo, that is not a generational thing. Comes up with that generational thing, D. So what's his future? He's probably going to find a future in the media, which is so bizarre. I got a prediction. I got a prediction. All right. Andrew Cuomo, he's gone. They're coming for that other Cuomo next. Chris Cuomo, he's going to be gone from CNN. I'm calling it right now. And uh, I don't know, maybe before, uh, maybe at the beginning of next year, the Cuomo Brothers podcast. (laughs) Whoa. And it'll be destroying. Oh, my God. They'll have so many more hits than us because Americans. Let's hear what the Cuomo's have to say. You're absolutely correct. I think you're right. Uh, and by the way, you're really on a roll with your predictions. I know. Uh, you're John Canizera, the head of the Fraternal Order of Police, going to Florida. That's a Dr. D, a Dennis prediction. And I believe it will happen. And he will be huge in the state of Florida. <laughs> they will love him. Canizera, where did this guy come from? He's so good. And uh, oh, we're going to get it. I know I'm jumping the gun here. Actually, we really are kind of operating without a net because... Yeah, we're winging it here, bud. Um, <laughs> we are winging it today. I don't even know what. Uh, but anyway, back to Cuomo. I think you're right. Uh, his brother... Guys, CNN, your credibility is so low right now. I'm just saying. You make, you make us all look bad. You know, people in the business, you just make us look bad. It's clearly a conflict of interest. You, you don't punish the guy. Chris Cuomo I'm talking about was giving advice to his brother. And then he's like, it's family. I, I, family. You know, oh boy, agreed with him. Tucker Carlson. <laughs> well, you know, it's family is family. That's my Tucker Carlson imitation. And needs a little work. That's okay. Though. Yeah, <laughs> it needs a little. So, you know, CNN, I, I mean, I don't know what you're going to do. You know, you're, it's an awkward position. But one thing you should have done is not had Chris Cuomo interview his brother in these puff piece interviews. You know, and then all of a sudden it turns out that while you see him in the puff piece interviews about what a great leader he is, he's been throwing uh, people with COVID into uh, senior citizen homes, retirement homes. Uh-oh. Uh oh, people are dying, and then he's got this allegedly, allegedly, okay, covering up the numbers so he doesn't look bad because he's in some kind of bizarre, weird competition with Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, who's a total lunatic, too. Two lunatics. And Chris Cuomo, let me ask you this How did you get to be so smart? Good question, brother. Good question. <laughs> Why, how, how'd you get so good looking? God, and it could it be our genes, our mutual genes? I don't know. See, and unless you're going to do a whole show about the brothers, like you take a step from the, with Dennis' suggestion, where it's a show of the brothers stroking each other, that's one thing. But you can't do, I'm a serious journalist with the news, and then like an hour's worth of stroking. So anyway, D, I think you're right. And what we're going to do is we're going to edit this podcast. So I'm the one who says it. Oh, okay. Well, that <laughs> sounds easy. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, just spend the next hour of your life doing that to you. Okay, just <laughs> rearrange that. I'm the one who made that prediction. All right, now back to J.B. Pritzker. The enemy is you. Hey, what'd I do to you? <laughs> the FMLA. For too long, we have asked our school staff to provide exceptional care supporting kids in school without giving them the grace and flexibility to care for themselves and their families. But which workers are eligible? Most workers are eligible for family leave oh. after a calendar year of full-time employment. But unfortunately, the structure of our Illinois um, our school calendars has meant that many hourly employees of our public school systems had to wait almost a year and a half to be able to achieve that eligibility. But this law changes that. That was Representative Tara Costa Howard. Mm. <laughs> Tara Costa Howard, has she been on our show? I think she was on our oh, show. Oh, boy, I hope she doesn't hear this, uh, if she was. On Tuesday, the governor also stressed the importance of the state's school mask mandate. This is a vital part of keeping people safe and healthy across the state, not just the students and the people who work in our schools, but also the families that live in that community, uh, the families not only of the students, but the others who live in a community. So this is why it's so important. Governor, please tell us more. School districts have been enforcing dress codes for many, many years, uh, and so they're expected simply to do the same thing they've been doing literally for decades. And, you know, I expect that people will do the right thing nonetheless and not put their school district in a difficult situation of having to tell somebody, you know, follow the rules. Uh, that last point that J.B. Pritzker made is an excellent one. And let me just elaborate a little bit. I hadn't thought about it. Got to give a shout out to Romana Hussein. I had a conversation with Romana before we did this show. It's going to drop sometime next week when I'm on vacation. D, I might as well take this moment to announce that uh, there will be no uh, live shows next week. I will be on a much deserved and needed vacation. Thank you very much for saying that, everybody. Uh, and uh, we'll be back in a week. Um, but uh, so I done a bunch of shows that will be dropping as the week goes on. One was a conversation I had with Ramana Hussein and it was the first, she was the one who pointed out for me for the first time, the first time I'd heard this. And then she pointed out to me that Ben, everybody's been saying this, <laughs> felt a little embarrassing. <laughs> um, don't you hate when that happens? But uh, she, the people who resist the mandate, the mask mandate are in many cases, the same people who are wanting to impose dress codes on kids. And uh, hairstyle code. Remember the, the law about kids with their hairstyles that got passed in the state of Illinois, D, and the outrage? Darren Bailey, oh, this is outrageous. Well, I never. <laughs> well, this is just crazy. And, uh, you know, they so they, like, they imagine there's some greater public purpose at stake telling some, like, just imagine young Dennis. Like a little, hey, guys. Kind of like a hippie kid back in the, you know, he had a, a faux hawk. And a tattoo that said, ride or die. I, I, don't, I don't have any of this. <laughs> but just imagine if he did. And some Yahoo and Alton said, that's, that's subversive and anti-American. Take that mohawk down. And, uh, you know, imposing some arbitrary rule that violates some arbitrary principle or taste that they have. Imposing that on everyone. And they feel they have the right to do that because there's a greater, there's a greater what issue at stake. They're protecting society from subversives like Dennis, you know, people who look like him, trying to uphold standards and decency. But then you flip the switch, 
and say, well, you have to wear a mask to prevent everybody from getting this disease. That's infringement on my sacred liberty. Well, why is telling Dennis he can't wear a mohawk not uh, infringement on his sacred liberty to wear a mohawk? Hmm? Did you ever think of that, MAGA? No. (laughs) Inconsistency. So I'm with you, Governor Pritzker. Another reason why I like the governor. See, D, a lot of the Democratic governors... I'm a little concerned right now because they realize that the resistance to any kind of mask mandate or social distance mandate isn't going anywhere. It's strong. And you know this better than anyone because you go down to Alton, you go down the state, you see it firsthand. And in addition, the resistance to the vaccine mandates is also strong. So if you take a strong stand now for it, you give the Republicans an issue that they can get their base really riled up and maybe pull some people over. That's the th- that's what we discuss in this show all the time. Like which side in this great divide has the greater popularity? And it's unclear because if the anti-maskers feel really strong about it, they'll have a greater motivation to come out to vote. You know, Dems are like, oh, maybe I'll vote this year. Maybe I won't vote this year. I am a Democrat. I don't know. It has to be really important for me to vote. I'm a Democrat. And uh, so it's, it's a little dicey. You know, and I'm uh, going to see of what the Democratic governors around the country, how they're going to react. And so I respect Pritzker for sticking to his principles, not backing down on this stuff. He believes in it. He's been consistent on it uh, and he's caring for. So that's another reason I like JB. I'm not a perfect person, Pritzker. Uh, <laughs> boy, if he does something bad, D, we're really in trouble. Well, I'm in trouble. Yeah, you're not. You're going to be like. Mm, ben, <laughs> Actually, I'm the one who ratted out myself on Cuomo. I don't know if you would have remembered to that I was at that moment. Oh, yeah, right. I remember it. Like, I'm sitting there thinking, boy, this guy, <laughs> kidding himself. D, it was the, the pandemic. It was all the pandemic. It was probably the early stages of being in the attic. It's really getting to me. Okay, so just. Oh, and for the record, I'm bald and have zero tattoos. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so he doesn't have a mohawk. Like, yeah, no, no, I wish. Have, wait, tell me, you don't have a tattoo? No tattoo. You're a millennial. I know. Not one tattoo? <laughs> I know. I'm a, a crappy millennial. You're the worst millennial <laughs> I have ever seen. <laughs> Folks, I'm telling you, this guy's the worst. The millennials had a meeting. Collective, I didn't, this is breaking news. They collected a meeting yeah. and they voted to kick Dennis out of the ah, millennials. Damn it, I knew it was coming. <laughs> I'm like, what, guys? You didn't get my AOL email? What's going on? <laughs> He's not AOL. No, folks, okay. He doesn't have AOL. Um, Gmail? <laughs> Hello? All right, on to Wednesday. When the governor mm-hmm. announced his $250 million back-to-business grant program. The back-to-business grants will provide growth capital for some businesses and a lifeline for others. Boy, that wasn't much, was it, Governor? Through this program, we're mobilizing the American Rescue Plan funds and ensuring that they're deployed quickly and equitably and get to those most in need. We'll prioritize funding for communities and industries hardest hit by the pandemic and help them build back stronger and better. Picking up the ball that Governor Pritzker dropped there was DCEO Director Sylvia Garcia. Ben, what does DCEO stand for? Um, uh, Department... Uh, what is it? DCEO? Did yeah, you say? Yeah. 
Uh, Department of Correct Employment Opportunities. Very, very close. Department of Commerce and Economic Opportunity. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> very close. Credit. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Oh. What can I say? What can I say? Yeah. It, well, you can say something about that back to business grant if you'd like. I first of all, did you, the part I liked uh, that it was uh, fortified with money from the feds. And I am a big believer in the feds kicking money to Illinois and Chicago and all the to Alton. I hope Alton gets a ton of dough. Because think about this, folks, for years and years and years, the military, they just the feds just turn them, the faucets on and let it pour. And you never heard one Republican say, oh, it's a waste of money. Oh, my God. Inflation. Oh, my God. Discipline. No, they just gave money. They didn't even know what they were. Half the time, they didn't even know what to do with it. That's why toilet seats cost so much in the military, D. Hmm. And then they were shortchanging the guys who did all the work, like the soldiers barely got any money. So I'm all, just I'm paying the taxes. I'd rather my money go back to Illinois and fortify these programs like family lead program. Very important program. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm that's the part of it I love. And I saw this in, the, you know, uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot, the tradition in Chicago. I don't know if I actually I have no idea if you're going to make the pivot to the budget with Chicago. A little more pre-show planning would have done me a world of good. Today. Yeah, I think so. I don't have that in my uh, in my All right, agenda. Well, I'll just say this: the, the city of Chicago. You know, usually what happens at roughly this time of year, there's this dire report in the city of Chicago, Chicago, where they suddenly discover that their projections of a balanced budget that they made in November, when they were proclaiming that the mayor was a superior human being who walked on water and was able to do things that no mayor could ever do before, even though the last mayor was saying the same thing. And Chicagoans were nodding their head. Oh, oh, my Chicagoan. Oh, I love my mayor. All of a sudden, in like June, July, or August, they have this projection and go, uh-oh. Our revenues did not match our expenditures, and we're having a deficit. And so there's a crisis, and Cranes and the Tribune get really ex- ex- exercised about it. We must fire people. We must. <laughs> Come on, Cranes. You always want to fire people. Must get our house in order. You know, take away their pensions. Put old people on gruel. And so, uh, you know, so then they use that these dire headlines and editorials and people being real reporters going on to Chicago tonight, being really earnest as they repeat whatever talking point city hall is shoved down their throats. And so then they say, well, we have to be realistic. We cannot just listen to people like Ben Jarofsky, that weirdo for the reader. Okay. We must tighten our belts and fire people and cut salaries and kick old people off their health care. Remember when Ron bragged about it? Some guy said he was being too nice and some, 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 I don't know, rich guy wrote him an email. This story came out. I think the bright one wrote this story. And uh, so the email showed the guy was chastising Ron for being too soft in the unions. And Ron goes, I'll have you know that I'm the only mayor who's cut Health benefits for retirees. Whoa. Oh, that's good. What a thing to brag about, Mayor Rom. Kicking some old guy in the teeth. Hey, you're a tough guy, Mayor Rom. Uh, you should see what I did to that grandma. She may be 85 years old, but I hit her in the head with a one, two. <laughs> so anyway, that's our mayor. And, and dutifully, reporters, 
editorial guys, hmm. If I were mayor said it, it must be so. And then they drag out these people, the same old, same old analysts from downtown Chicago. Mm. We're going to overlook the fact that our groups are all organized by the very people who want taxes cuts so they can make more money. And they're going to say, we must get our house in order. So, D, I forget where I started with this. But it had to do, oh, I know how it started with. With the feds kicking in so much money, it's harder for the mayor to play that game. <laughs> the money's coming from the feds. You know, you can't brag about, I've laid off more city workers than any mayor has before. I've been crueler to people than any mayor has been f- before. Chicagoans nod their head. Well, that's what you got to do. Yeah, that's like the Chicago. When I said it yesterday, I'll say it again. Kenny Davis posted that picture of the bathrooms <laughs> at the park district that showed all the toilets lined up. There's like five toilets lined up right next to each other. No dividers or anything. And someone wrote in a Chicago and had to be a Chicago. I don't even know who it was. Well, that park district probably took them down because junkies were you taking junk in them. I'm like, what is with you Chicagoans that you feel compelled to defend the dumbest things that your city does? Dude, do you think for one minute that a junkie who's desperate is not going to shoot himself up with his junk because, oh, there's no bathroom stalls to prevent this? <laughs> I mean, you're a freaking addict, okay? You need the junk. Sorry, dear. That was a tangent within a tangent within a tangent. Boy, that really was. That was like a, a bunch of tangents there. Thank you, Chicago, for this humbling victory. All I can say, you sure know how to make a guy feel at home. Yeah! Right, I'm making a note here. Hold on. Have pre-show meeting on Friday. Okay. By the way, this is a shout out. Uh, Yvette Simpson was our guest yesterday and uh, she did an outstanding uh, job. Uh, and uh, she, of course, is a superstar who goes on uh, the George Stephanopoulos show. She's like the lefty on the show. And uh, her sidekicks are Mayor Rahm and Chris Christie. What a couple of chuckleheads. <laughs> She's got to deal with them. And then there's a lady who's a Republican who's to the right of Christie. I don't even know who that lady is. I'm like... Pat Whalen, by the way, uh, is the one, the, the Ben Jarofsky show devotee who watches all these Sunday shows and keeps me abreast about what's going on. Uh, so thank you, Pat, for that. Appreciate that. Uh, but anyway, so uh, Yvette Simpson was in there. She got a big kick out of when Dennis played. <laughs> Did you do that on purpose, by the way? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You knew? Oh, you're smart. Yeah, He's yeah, good. Yeah. He's good, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, he played that bit about Rom going around like Michigan. <laughs> And he said that, Rom said that to Yvette Simpson. It was uh, in one of their... George oh, wow. Now, I didn't know he said that to Yvette. Uh, to Yvette. Yeah, yeah. It was oh, that perfect. was awesome. Perfect. That's, yeah, that's good. She, yeah, good yeah, time. She had a big smile on her face. Because you remember that dumbass. <laughs> I went around, took a bike ride, and nobody talked about Medicare. Nobody wants Medicare. Uh, nobody wants Medicare for a while. I'm smart. You're not. Come on, Yvette. Yeah. <laughs> Rom thinks that nobody wants what he has. He's got great health care. Everybody in his family, I'm sure, has got great health care. Oh, but nobody wants that. I talk to people in Michigan. They don't want it. Anyway, great job, D, with uh, playing that with Yvette Simpson yesterday. Hey, thanks. Moving on. 
Who will watch The Watchmen? Who cares? On Thursday, Governor Pritzker asked the bigger question, who will respond to the first responders? Whoa. He signed new laws to help protect the physical well-being and mental health of Illinois first responders. Here's the governor talking about texting and driving. This is a wake-up call for every resident of Illinois. Your distracted driving could be someone else's worst nightmare. And no text or other distraction is worth that. Here's ISP Director Brendan Kelly. It's not move, move over or slow down. It's slow down and move over. Just because you've moved over because you saw a first responder on the side of the road doesn't mean you get to drive like a bat out of hell in the lane that you moved over into. You still need to slow down. And just because you're slowing down doesn't mean you shouldn't also move over and give that first responder some space. Yeah, I, uh, I'm with them 100% on this one. People tech, I mean, uh, can I go on a tangent here, D? Do it. Just go on a tangent. <laughs> I mean, we're already eight tangents deep, so let's just keep going. Just like when I'm crossing the street, I'm going to just share this with everybody. Got some issues that I deal with and I confront all the time. A lot of people that see me do this think I'm really weird. But when I cross the street, and Dennis has actually been with me crossing streets he's seen this so he's one of the many people who probably thinks i'm a little weird actually i think that is kind of agrees with me on this one so do you remember the old days we were walking from the studio to uh the brown line oh yeah, so yeah. it's a long stretch down madison it's about a mile and it was a great walk ah, i miss those days anyway uh and so we'll be crossing an intersection and there would be a car there and the motorist would not be looking he or she would be head down looking at his or her phone now Folks, I must make a concession, uh, a confession here. I have a phobia because they're not, they're completely unaware that Dennis and I are in the crosswalk. They do not know that there's a pedestrian in front of them. They're concentrating on their phone. Do they have their car in park, D? I don't think so. So it just can be a slip. Just a momentary slip. This is the things that goes in my <laughs> old oh, man, <laughs> my baby boomer brain. They could make a wrong move and panic and instead of putting the brake, put the foot on the accelerator. Boom. Dennis and I are his story. So I'm with you, uh, JB Pritzker. I got this thing when I walk down the street and I see uh, motorists and I come to a crosswalk and they're not paying attention. I'm like, come on now. Let's go head in game. Head in game. Let's go. And then I wave him through. Yeah. Uh, you do do that. And you see me just try to walk away because I'm embarrassed. <laughs> you to walk down the street with me is a trip, folks. I like to traffic signals to the make sure the motorist is engaged with the pedestrian. You see us, right? You see me and Dennis. Okay. Just stay there. We're crossing the street. Very embarrassing. All right. Uh, and finally, this week, it's Illinois State Fair Week. Woo! <laughs> Everyone's excited about it. Even people here in the city of Chicago, people who, let's be honest, wouldn't be caught dead going to this thing. They're surprisingly pumped about it as well. Now, we're going to have some fun talking about all this, but before we lose complete control of ourselves, let's get serious for a moment. Let's talk carnival ride safety. Illinois Department of Labor Amusement Ride Inspector Margaret Royer wants you to know that the carnival rides at the Illinois State Fair are indeed safe. Absolutely. Absolutely. If uh, they can look for our permit and if they have any problems or questions, they can contact our office and it, the number is on the permit as well as they could go to our website if they have any problems. Phew, thank goodness. 
Once that's all done, we're going to have them run it. We're going to make sure that it stops, starts, and emergency stops. So if there is ever an issue, they know what to do, how to stop it, get the people off to be safe. Find me on the Ferris wheel at the Illinois State Fair. <laughs> you won't find me on that thing. Uh-uh. I'm like one of the anti-vaxxers, D, with Ferris wheels. Uh-uh, not going to do it. No, no, no. And they'll come back at me like a conversation. But Ben, reports show that you're safer on a Ferris wheel than you are in a car or in an airplane. Uh-uh, still not going to do it. Um, so anyway, I, but I'm, I appreciate that they're going bending over backwards to assure people who get on Ferris wheel. Although, the, I don't know, man. I mean, people who go on Ferris wheels are like really scary rides. Don't seem like the type who would care a great deal about what could happen to them on the ride. Do you follow what I just said? Yeah. It yeah. But I mean, like you're implying that the Ferris wheel is scary. Yeah, well, it is for certain people. Like, you can be in the air. Like, I'm looking down. Um, anyway, the Illinois State Fair is something is a great tradition in the state of Illinois that I must confess I've never participated in. I've never been to an Illinois State Fair. So, is this year the year? Are we going? Can I get you some funnel cake and maybe we can go pet a pig or something? <laughs> pet a pig. Oh, that's that's pet a pig. No. This will not be the year. I'm not going to pet a pig, and I'm not going to uh, pick a peach. Remember that? Pick a peach. Oh, yeah. Uh, Well, maybe this will change your mind. Maybe this will change your mind, because this year's Illinois State Fair is a special one. All right? And if this doesn't win you over, I'm just going to stop trying to ask you. This year marks 100 years of maybe... (laughs) the oddest attraction in our state. It's the butter cow, which has nine hearts to represent the nine essential nutrients in milk. That's right. It's made entirely out of butter. And, you know, it's a tradition since at least 1922. Yes, the butter cow, a life-size cow made completely out of butter. The tradition is 100 years old. Now do you want to go? Okay, first of all, no. Damn. That's the answer to your question. But let's get into the butter cow a little bit. Uh, that is a clip that Dennis found. I don't know where he found it. He's been playing it. And uh, I, of course, fixated on it because whoever the poor guy is that got, uh, get, was given that assignment did his best. I'm giving you. He did his best to make a really boring story exciting. Like he really cared about the butter cow. So I give him a shout out. And, but that ending where he goes, since 1922, I, I hear that intonation now in my head. All the time. And when I'm watching, the few times I watch local news, D, it's like standard. They must teach these guys this. And it's like, the viewer is dumb, so we're going to get excited with our voices going like this. And they'll think what we're saying is really important. And, you know, so that's in my head. It's locked in my head. And then Dennis fortifies the locking into the head by playing it time and time and time (laughs) again. uh, And that update was brought to us by a listener and guest, Mr. Jim Coogan of Dwyer and Coogan, a frequent guest in the Ben Jaroski show. Uh, Jim has been lately coming on as an expert on the Chicago White Sox, but he's also our legal affairs expert. We'll bring him back for that when I come back from vacation. But Jim sent us that press release. So thank you very, Jim. Uh, Excuse me. Thank you very much, Jim. But I want to point this out to you. According to the press release, it's 100 years old. And in that sound bit with the reporter, 
He goes, at least 1922. I think he should update it. I think he should. It's at least 1921. All right, let's. I think I know. Like if I was the BGA's fact checker, would I give that a mostly true uh, <laughs> flaming liar pants pants on fire? <laughs> How would I rate that? Ugh. Man, what a tough job that is. I would say mostly true that it is at least 1922, but it's not completely true because it's 1921, which means it's at least 1921. Just saying. Oh, what a stickler you are, bud. <laughs> so we're, let's redo it. Oh, boy, wherever you are, downstate, uh, let's redo that. Picture at the Illinois State Fair since at least 1921. And apparently there are 12 hearts this year on the uh, butter cow. So that's good. Maybe next year, D. Maybe next year we'll go to the Illinois State Don't tease me. Don't. (laughs) Don't you dare tease me, all right? I was all psyched. You said that last year. And I was all psyched. I had my butter cow uh, foam (laughs) finger ready for you. And you're not going. All right, whatever. All right, before we move on to the news of the city of Chicago, it's the moment you've all been waiting for. Why? I'm still not sure. It's been a very hot week this week, Ben. What do you say we get our weekly Illinois weather report from one Illinois State climatologist, Trent Ford? <laughs> from the Illinois State Water oh, Survey Jesus. the University of Illinois Prairie Research Institute, this is Illinois State climatologist Trent Ford. If last week's mild temperatures and lack of severe weather was pleasant, this week was anything but. Average That's temperatures true. this past week ranged from the high 70s to low 80s across the state, between 2 and 8 degrees above normal. All areas of the state hit 90 degrees at some point this week, and combined with persistently high humidity, afternoon heat index values were between 100 and 115 degrees. Let's pick up the pace, Trent. places saw dew point temperatures exceed 80 degrees, including 82 in Decatur and 81 in DeKalb. The humidity was undoubtedly helped along by transpiration from a healthy and productive corn crop. Good All that God. heat and humidity fueled several rounds of severe weather this week. Although most places heard rumbles of thunder, northern Illinois was the epicenter. This week, seven tornadoes touched down in northern Holy Illinois. Cow. There were dozens of reports of strong winds and damage to trees and buildings in the Chicagoland area. And training thunderstorms produced very heavy rain in several places, including seven to nine inches in and around Gibson City. There were also several reports of moderate to significant crop damage from strong okay. winds and flooding in northern Oh, hey, you're stepping in the, the crop <laughs> statisticians. You're in his lane, bud. All right? I had to stop him right there. All right, let me just uh, take a moment to address something that's of concern to mind regarding Trent Ford, climatologist for the state of Illinois. Uh, as everybody knows, uh, Dennis was the one who sort of introduced us, takes sort of out of that sentence. Dennis was the one who introduced us to Trent Ford when he discovered Trent Ford. I don't know how he did it, but sometime, like months ago, uh, you discovered Trent Ford and you've been playing uh, dutifully. Uh, his I have a knack for odd audio. Uh, you know what I mean? The butter cow, the Trent Ford. I just have a knack for it. I don't know what it no, is. No, you do. You're real. This is your and, and your genius. And let's not forget uh, uh, Gator. Uh, I didn't see any Gators. <laughs> <laughs> the random hipster. <laughs> well, I didn't see any Gators, man. So he does have a. I know. Again, he's the. Uh, the oddest millennial I've ever seen, ladies and gentlemen, because this is all radio stuff. This is like the stuff I grew up in, uh, grew up with. Uh, and Mike Novak, when he comes on the show, we always joke about it. Two baby boomers talking about our radio. I uh, love for old radio gags that DJs used to do. Somehow or other, that got past, skipped like a generation and made its way to Dennis. He's really good at finding these odd clips and playing them. And uh, But anyway, so we've been talking about Trent Ford for a long time and giving him a shout out. And then a certain journalist 
whose name I won't <laughs> yeah. mention, except to say that his first name is Charlie and his last name is Meyerson, but I'm not going to mention, put them together. Charlie Meyerson, hello, who was a guest on this show once. Remember that day? He was yeah. a guest on the show. Yeah. And uh, he puts together a uh, daily, what is it called, D, when you take all the like the headlines, you put them together? I forget that millennials have a word for Copy it. Copy and pasting. <laughs> Is that what it is? <laughs> There's a word for it which escapes me. Anyway, he does it. It's great. It's a great service, and I uh, I read it. I look at it. So, Charlie, great service. Good job. But the other day, D, had a listing. He goes, uh, climatolo- he made a reference to Trent Ford, the climatologist. He goes, most people don't know there's a climatologist in the state of Illinois. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Why don't you just say, I'm Charlie Myerson, and I do not listen to the Ben Jarofsky show. I do not listen to, oh, what a week it was. Because, Charlie, we've been doing Char- Trent Ford climatology reports for a year, Buster. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I'm trying to think of when we did start doing that. Uh, I think, like, yeah, it was last year. I'm Charles Myerson, and I'm too important to listen to the Ben Jarofsky Come on, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Charlie. Now, you you got to write a correction. You got to give Dennis some love because he discovered Trent Ford long before it was fashionable. Anyway. And he's like more popular than us, dude. The live stream chat loves the guy. And as punishment, Charlie, you're going to have to do something you've never done before. You're going to have to link a Ben Jarofsky show on your public square. Oh, ben, you're a little left, and uh, I don't want to. Uh, they may get me in trouble. And you know, it's Come a little. On, you're doing. It's a little unorthodox what you're doing on the show. You know, you're not doing the. <laughs> I'm just saying. I saw that day. I'm like, are you kidding me? Dennis has been doing Trent Fort. Sorry, Dave. That was totally uncalled for. What I just went no, on that tangent. No, I'm glad you said it. And you know, Charlie, it's all good. But I swear, we're gonna have trouble if I hear this feller on one of your things. I've seen a whole lot of catfish, some turtles. <laughs> uh, no gators yet, though. That's me. That's mine. All right. <laughs> the random hipster. Ah, the alligator. D. Come on, the good old days, summer of 2019. It was so simple then. Could it be? That love has written every line. Sorry, didn't mean that. No, not a problem. 71% of Illinois soybean How'd this get in here? The crop report. Compared to 68 normally. Soybean conditions improved from the previous week and were reported as 6% very poor to poor, 16 fair, and 78% good to excellent. I love how he says reported. Just yeah, 3% too. of Illinois corn acres had reached the dent stage compared to 13 normally. Corn conditions also improved and were rated 6% very poor to poor, 15 fair, and 79% good to excellent. Oh, boy. I say that reports on the dense stage. <laughs> Rated. I, that guy, I like his, I like his, enunci- I'm going to start working like on my enunciation. It's, I, I realize I've been slipping and butchering where I should, I should do it. Rated. Dennis. Dr. Alton teaches pick. Take it away. What is going on? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, got to give him credit. That was uh, Illinois crop statistician Mark Schlesinger or whatever. Mm-hmm. Schlesen, Schlesinger. Wait, Schlesinger? Yeah. I can't pronounce your name. But hey, look for him on the next Charlie Myerson update. <laughs> Charlie Myerson. Did you know there was a crop report guy? <laughs> Charlie, we're watching you now. We're watching. See this? Watching you. 
That's my Robert De Niro imitation. I am watching you. Oh, okay. What's that movie that he did that in? No clue. Yes, you do. You saw the movie. Ben Stiller, uh, Robert De Niro. Meet the played. parents? Yes. I got nipples, Greg. Can you milk me? <laughs> that is a funny movie. I love Ben Stiller. There, I said it. Big Ben Stiller. Fan. No, I love Zoolander. Uh, the movie Zoolander, <laughs> like now, now that I'm a little older and just, I don't know, it seems to age well. Um, Zoolander, watch Zoolander, and he reminds me of Donald Trump, the character Zoolander. What, because I'm really, really good looking? <laughs> I will rewatch. Some movies do better with time, other yeah. movies don't. Last night I started watching, uh, got a tangent with it, a tangent, Burn uh, After Reading, which is a Coen Brother movie from, I forget when, some about 10 years ago. D, I was loving it. I'm like, oh my God, this movie has stood the test of time. Yeah, I, Zoolander, Zoolander holds up. And if anybody goes and watches it again, just think of Zoolander as Donald Trump. I did that and it cracked me up. All right. Um, now to the news in the city of... Oh, a live stream chat. Bruce Bruce says we should interview the butter cow. That's not even... What is that? that doesn't even wait, make sense. Here, no, I have the butter cow. Uh, butter cow. Uh, how many years have you been at the state fair? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Sorry, I had to do my cow. I don't know if that was butter, uh, butter cow or the man cow, but uh, we'll move on. <laughs> She's still running for governor. I don't, I, I don't think so. It. I don't think so. I think uh, that may have been a publicity stunt or something. Ooh. All right. Now to the news in the city of Chicago. And hopefully it's the final time we talk about it this year. I mean, aside from when Ben goes ranting and raving about how great of a time he had. It's Lollapalooza. <laughs> The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Stefano Esposito. The headline reads, Lollapalooza, not super spreader event, says city's mm. top public health official. I mean, if they say it, it must be true. Some two weeks after the opening day of Lollapalooza, master of disguise and lover of Foo Fighters, Dr. Allison Arwadi said the music festival shows no signs. Zero of having been a super spreader event. Arwadi said Thursday during a news conference at City Hall of the approximately 385,000 people who attended, 203 attendees have been diagnosed with COVID-19. As of Wednesday, none of those who tested positive have had to be hospitalized or have died. Quote, the bottom line is, oh, this is Arwadi, quote, the bottom line is we've not seen anything that surprised us related to the Lollapalooza outbreak. Of the 203 cases, 127 were among vaccinated attendees and 76 were among unvaccinated attendees. That translates to about four in 10,000. Daniel Biss, if you're listening, I know you knew that already. <laughs> Among the vaccinated and 16 in 10,000 for those who were unvaccinated. Health <laughs> officials have estimated about 90% of those who attended the four-day event in Grant Park were vaccinated. To get inside, concert goers had to show proof of being vaccinated or having tested negative for coronavirus. Uh, Arwadi said Thursday that despite the prevalence of the Delta variant, Chicago isn't seeing the kind of surge that some southern states are experiencing. So, Ben, it looks like we were wrong about Lollapalooza. Um, which part? That the music sucked? Were we wrong? You act like that on the show, but you love it. But go ahead. Uh, uh, were we wrong about that? Or uh, it's just like this weird phase that uh, teenagers go through that they outgrow and get embarrassed? We were wrong about that part of Lollapalooza? <laughs> or it's a super politically connected operation that uh, cut a deal behind closed doors with the city of Chicago? Were we wrong with that part of Lollapalooza? Or the fact that for years and years they let the people go to Lollapalooza smoke reefer while they were arresting black people on the west side for smoking reefer. Were we wrong about that part of Lollapalooza? I'm sorry, D. I, 
I'm, which part of Lollapalooza am I wrong about? So I don't know. Listen, the whole po- point, and I'm, but let me say, I'm going to take, I'm going to assume that Dr. Awadi's statistics are absolutely correct. All right, I'm going to work from that assumption. Always a dangerous assumption with the city of Chicago. They start throwing numbers around. If anybody who's ever followed the TIF program can tell you. But let's assume that they're absolutely correct. Then I'm really happy that it was not a super spreader event because we don't want a super spreader event. But I think, Dr. Awadi, you must concede. You must agree, which you never probably will because you'll get in trouble with your mayor boss, Lori Lightfoot, that it was at least an exceedingly awkward mixed message that you and Lori Lightfoot sent out when at the same time you were saying, don't go to Louisiana to say, come on, Louisiana, come to Lollapalooza. So I'm just saying, D. So I'm glad, glad I'm working from the assumption that it was not a super spreader event. But guys, come on, admit it was a mix of mess. Nope, they'll never admit it. Because being mayor means you never admit you're wrong. You always say things like, mistakes were made. And yes, remember Rom? That's on me. Like after he did something horrible, that's on me. He pat himself on the chest and like it's all over. That's on me. So I hear you. It's really hard for Chicago all-powerful mayors to ever admit they were wrong. That's all hard for guys talking into microphones in their attic to admit they're wrong. We're wrong all the time, D. (laughs) Yeah, I'm Uh, used to it. We're used to it. But uh, yeah, so it was a mixed message. I'm glad. By the way, you know who I feel sorry is for? Esposito, the reporter at a right that story. Now, maybe he's really good at math. I shouldn't just make uh, stereotypes, typical uh, assumptions about reporters. But most reporters I know are really number challenged. That poor guy on deadline. All right, what's that number again? <laughs> oh, Jesus. And me, I would do it. I, I'm, I get everything in reverse because of dyslexia. Oh, my God. So I feel sorry for him having to crunch. But maybe he's really good at it. You know, indeed, I shouldn't make assumptions about people. Kenny Davis, uh, an old-time reporter, comes on the show from time to time. Has been on in a while. Kenny D. Kenny D. Kenny's like, um, I don't know, Ben. I don't know. I'm very busy these days. Um, he was really good at math and science and stuff. So oh, maybe, we need you, Ken. Come on. And come on, Kenny. Come back to the show. I think I hurt his feelings when I made fun of his beloved flyover. Loves the flyover, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, so don't do it again. All right, we're going to move on. Uh, and, hey, speak for yourself. There seemed to be some good music there, all right? Foo Fighters are awesome. And uh, every white male millennial's favorite band was performing. I didn't know this until it was over. Jimmy Eat World. There's, <laughs> You made that up. No, no, no. That's a band, and they are awesome. So I'm a white male millennial. Got to say, damn, I love it. Gets, gets my toes tapping every time. There's a band called Jimmy Eat World. Yeah, I did not know that. Uh, I really I knew know you, that. Everyone knew you didn't know that, by the way. And the, I've heard of the Foo Fighters. Dave Grohl. There you huh? go. There you go. G R O H L. Am I correct? You are quite the speller. And what band was Dave Grohl in before Foo Fighters? He was the drummer. <clears throat> he was a drummer for a band that a certain Proco Joe Moreno, alderman of the First Ward, loved beyond all reason, and that band was called Nirvana. Great work. Millennials, please keep listening. I know all of you knew that, but just keep listening. we got a lot of content to talk about. But yeah, that was correct. Good job. Name one Nirvana song. Uh, 
<laughs> that, not, those weren't words, but that's fine. Uh, sm- it smells like teen spirit would be one. Okay. <laughs> I flunked that one, D. I gotta admit, I can't name one. I'm gonna start listening to them. All right. I think you tried once because one of the listeners was like, they sent you a song or something, and you were like, D. I tried listening. This sucks. No, but I read the, read the lyrics, and the lyrics were good. I can't remember the song, but the lyrics. Oh, these lyrics are good. Wow, these are good lyrics. All right, let's move I'm on. Trying to be hip, of course. It's from some band that's now twenty years old. <laughs> All right, new census numbers are in, and the following comes from the Chicago Sun Times: Elvia Malagon, Andy Boyle, and Rachel Hinton. The city of big shoulders has always been a melting pot, but new U.S. census data suggests. It's gaining in diversity. Despite national headlines about political corruption and street violence, Chicago saw its population grow by two. Where's the butter cow guy when you need him? Two percent <laughs> over the past decade, allowing it to hold on to, uh, to its title as the third largest city in the United States. Of more than fi- uh, 50,000 residents, oh boy, more numbers for these uh, writers to figure out. Of more than 50,000 residents added over the past decade to the city's total population, most are Latino and Asian. The Latino population grew by more than 40,000 people, about 5% in the past 10 years, and the Asian population grew by almost 45,000, a 31% increase. What was the, uh, do they have the numbers for the black population? That uh, that helped offset the continued loss of Chicago's black population, which dwindled by almost 85,000 people during that time, nearly a 10% drop. Wow, 10% drop in the black population. Well, as uh, I began the show by saying, uh, this is one of the favorite subjects of Republicans and right-wingers, particularly those of the Chicago Tribune editorial writing uh, persuasion, and Cranes loves it too. And even the Sun-Times, which has been drifting to the right on their editorials for the last... Oh my God, it's, it's almost some like I dread opening my beloved bright one. What are they saying now about the teachers' union? They hate the teachers' union. Uh, but uh, anyway... Like there's something really wrong with Chicago because our numbers are falling. I don't know. It could be your policies. Mm, I, your policies implemented by your mayors for the last 30 years. You know, they may have something to do with it. And the fact that nobody has ever seriously considered like why crime happens. You know? And every, I mean, at, at every guest that comes on the show, D, says the same thing. And even the, like, the ones on the right end of the center come on the show and you've heard them because you you produce these shows we need more programs we need jobs we need education we got to keep people and uh we can't allow people to get alienated from society we need to spend more money we have to invest in these communities and we do the exact opposite so everybody says we got to do x and we don't do x and then we're like whoa crime why is it occurring because we're not doing the things we say we have to do and so, uh, so yeah, we seem pretty hopeless at solving uh, the big problems that face the city of Chicago. Uh, and our policy, our general policy is to correct crime by moving people like in the most general classification who commit crime out of the city. Well, I got kicked off of one radio station for saying that, but it's true. And you know, it's true, Chicago. So when the Tribune discovered and the Chamber of Commerce discovered and the Republican Party discovered that population was falling. What did they take that? Oh, my God. They took it to a 
to uh, promote cutting the very programs we need to keep people from being alienated. All the programs we need to keep people from going on a life of crime, to helping people who need help. No, they said, oh, this is an example that we have too many taxes and too many wasteful programs. We got to cut taxes and eliminate these programs and give tax breaks to the wealthy. Otherwise, people wouldn't leave. So that was their line. And we would have earnest discussions. I bring on demographers to talk about population trends in the city. Do you remember that? We've had many discussions with many demographers, very learned, smart people. Alden Lowry, Rob Perel, people really smart, way smarter than me. We have in these discussions about demographic trends in Chicago. And they'd be explaining what's happening and sort of refuting the idiocy promulgated by the Tribune and the Cranes and what have you, corporate Chicago, the corporate, the Bruce Rodders of the state of Illinois. And now all of a sudden, turns out the population actually went up. Like I said at the start of the show, D, the sound you hear, that's the Republican propaganda machine cranking out its next batch of idiocy. I thought it was Baby Driver. <laughs> oh, there's a blast from the past. Remember that one? Yeah. How much I love that movie insanely loved that movie baby driver except the ending the last 10 minutes is so stupid but the first whatever awesome anyway yes baby driver uh so anyway i'll be looking forward the only person in the city of chicago actually reads editorials you're welcome chicago tribune you're welcome cranes and you're welcome sometimes i will continue to read your editorial explanations as to why the population uh, went up, even though you kept saying it was going to go down, 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 because the moving vans were coming up. <laughs> Remember the moving vans, D? Didn't, didn't they have like a commercial where Pritzker had a moving van? Pritzker had a plumbing company. Yeah, which, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Toilets. <laughs> JP, we, we, you deserved it. We gave you a lot of grief over that. Still did. I just threw it in a column, by the way, D, last week. Nice. Nice. <laughs> But uh, anyway, so it'll be interesting to see the spin, the Republicans uh, and their mouthpieces in corporate Chicago and editorial Chicago and civic Chicago. There are a lot of them out there. And then, of course, I'll have to listen to my liberal friends on WBEZ and WTTW. Go, well, they have a point. They do have a point, Ben. Cool. You have to be open minded about the, the idiocy. <laughs> Sorry, T being cynical here yeah come on and speaking of what are the chances we see toilet gate come back with this uh upcoming election oh definitely they're gonna play that song are you kidding that's their greatest hit uh, toilet gate and the moving vans uh and masks mask one's a little tougher you know what i'm saying when they get to the general election because they they're not quite sure like the divide we're where people fall in this great debate about masks. But yeah, we are going to the toilets. He took the toilets out. Can't argue with him, JB. Shouldn't have done it. Had you listened to me and Dennis, you wouldn't have done it. But you didn't listen to us. In those <laughs> yeah, or you, if you kept listening to us, maybe you would have lost. Who knows? But you know what? That You're right, though, Ben. So, yes, we will hear uh, the toilet commercials brought out again because 
that's pretty much what all they got on J.B. Pritzker. That and he made us wear masks, masks, masks. Ain't no good. Oh, man, I don't like him. That's Darren Bailey. <laughs> all right. Uh, now to the current beef happening between our Chicago mayor, Lori Lightfoot, and the Chicago Police Department. This began over the weekend, and this comes from the Sun-Times and Michael Sneed. Uh, mayor Lori Lightfoot was given the old cold shoulder by CPD rank and file about midnight Saturday at the University of Chicago Medical Center when she approached them on the seventh floor as they grappled with the shooting of two fellow officers. Chicago police officer Ella French was shot and killed during a traffic stop Saturday night in West Inglewood while her partner continues to fight for his life at the hospital. Three people are in custody. Just moments before, about 30 officers turned their backs on the mayor. Lightfoot tried to talk to the male officer's father, who himself is a retired Chicago police officer. He clearly wanted nothing to do with Lightfoot, according to two sources who were there. The father excoriated the mayor and blamed her for what had happened. One source said Lightfoot handled herself well as the father yelled at her. She listened and treated him with respect. So that was on Saturday, but it happened again later on in the week. Several hundred officers were meeting at McCormick Place Monday night, where they learned that the Chicago Police Memorial Foundation had already stepped up to give $60,000 to French's family. The gathering was told that Mayor Lightfoot was planning on attending, and officers were in agreement that they did not want her to come. Uh, Deputy Chief Michael Bars delivered the message, sources say, in a move that received much praise from the rank-and-file officers who were there. The end result? Lightfoot did not attend. Many officers present did not want to hear from Superintendent David Brown either, but Brown did attend, cleared the room of everyone except police and heard a torrent of complaints from rank and file officers. Yes, and this uh, you were reading from the Sun Times, just yep. so I understand. Yep, yep. Okay. But it was not Sneed. It was a different. Uh, yeah, right. When I read that, I was like, Ah, man, I think I got that yeah, one wrong. I just want to make blue. sure everybody understands. Michael Sneed is a longtime columnist for the Chicago Sun Times, who's like of emeritus status, and so every now and then she comes back with a scoop. Uh, Dennis and I like to joke. This is really no joking uh, situation. The, this topic of conversation about the, how Sneed always gets the scoops that we don't get. Uh, but um, she had that scoop the other day about the police officers turning the back. And then she followed up with a, a story where she quoted Mayor Rahm extensively about uh, how he handled things. And um, <laughs> I don't know why anybody in the city of Chicago turns to Rahm for advice uh, regarding policing, criminal justice. Uh, this is the man who buried the Laquan McDonald tape. I'll just point that out. But uh, let's put that aside. Uh, police officers, we have a split. We've been talking about this on the show for a long, long time. This is nothing new. The police, rank and file police, and as represented as by their union, are far to the right of the citizens of Chicago and far to the right of even our mayor, who's a centrist. And we've been talking about this for a long time. I don't see how this is healthy for the city of Chicago. I don't see how this is particularly healthy for the Chicago Police Department to be so alienated from the people they're serving. This is a political discussion. This is a political issue. Uh, it's far different from mourning, public mourning uh, over Ella French, who seems like a really great person. Uh, the 29-year-old police officer who was shot down over the weekend seemed like a really vibrant and um, like a reformer, a police reformer. Uh, and, uh, Anjanette Young, 
who's been a guest on the show, and we talked about her case a lot, issued a statement. Uh, Anjanette Young, of course, the West Side resident whose home was invaded by police in a no-knock warrant as she was stepping out of the shower. And she issued a statement saying that uh, that Ella French had been one of the police officers who showed up uh, that her night and was very courteous to her. It gave her a blanket to wrap herself with uh, and that she was sending out her prayers to the family. So this is a moment in Chicago where it's a moment of re- should be a moment of reflection. Every weekend in the city of Chicago should be a moment of reflection. Every day in this freaking city, but we don't want we don't want to confront uh, many of the uh, the contradictions that I just ex- laid out in our city, where we say, "Oh, we know what we have to do, but we're not going to do it." In fact, we're going to continue the policies that have contributed to the very thing we say we want to eradicate. So. Uh, here we are in the city of Chicago where our police department and rank and file is exceedingly alienated from the powers that be. And the police uh, officers seem to believe that Lori Lightfoot's policies are what led to the horrific shooting, the murder, uh, Ella French. I disagree with them on that. I, I feel uh, that they've gone too far uh, in blaming Lori Lightfoot, but I, I don't know, D, D given the realities the political situation in Chicago, I see where they're coming from because that's where they're at and that's where they've been at. And would they turn their back on Donald Trump? What has Donald Trump ever done for anybody in this city in the regards to crime? So I just, a moment of reflection for us all. Like, why do you hate Lori Lightfoot so much? What is Lori Lightfoot? Lori Lightfoot's dealing with this very real age-old problem in the city of Chicago of policing in black communities. It's been around since as long as I can remember. Cries of police brutality, police going too far, too much policing the black community, police not understanding the black community. And then the response from the police department, crime raises, rises when we are not free to just randomly lock people up. I've been hearing this since I moved to Chicago. I've been hearing this before when I was a kid. Growing up in the suburbs, I'm hearing this and growing up in Evanston. So this stuff's been around forever. And uh, we are now at a moment where uh, just uh, there's been a break and where the police department is so alienated from mainstream Chicago that they turn their back on a mayor who's a centrist. She's not even a le- you. Let's not even. Talk. We'll, we'll probably talk a little later about the things that the pro police uh, alderman in the city council said about the socialists, but they're turning their back on a centrist trying to deal. With, I don't know what they expect from Lori Lightfoot. She's what supposed to ignore all these issues, you know? So I thought she, from everything I've read, D, she handled it well, you know, they, they conveyed their um, lack of respect for her. Uh, the fact that they didn't honor her, uh, the fact that she was an affront to them, and she didn't have one of those Lori Lightfoot temper tantrums that she's known to have. You know what I'm saying? Like she didn't call them out the way she called out uh, Raylo, Raymond Lopez, or Jeanette Taylor, or Byron Cicel Lopez, or probably you and me. <laughs> you know? She, she, she felt the room. It. What's that? She felt the room. You know what I mean? She felt the room and she handled herself with dignity and she didn't make a big deal about it afterwards. So I give her credit. Been really hard on the mayor lately for the way she, her behavior to other people, particularly her behavior uh, to Jeanette Young and Jeanette Taylor. But in this case, I feel that she's handled herself uh, with dignity. 
So that's that's where we are as a city right now, D. There's just just division, political division. I just only ask police officers one thing: What has Donald Trump done for police in Chicago? They talk about the pressures that police face. I don't see Donald Trump sending when he was president sending any money to help with mental health treatment therapy. I didn't see Donald Trump sending more money to the city of Chicago to hire more police officers so we're not more dependent on overtime. I didn't see Donald Trump send more money to the city of Chicago so we have a jobs program so maybe uh, people would not be turning to lives of crime. I didn't see Donald Trump sending more money to the city of Chicago so that we could deal with our pension problems so that retired police officers and firefighters and city workers and teachers you wouldn't have to worry about when their next pension check's coming in. And so that we're spending money that could be used for programs to fight crime on the pensions. I didn't see Donald Trump do any of that. And yet there's this allegiance to Donald Trump. What? Because he says, I support the blue no matter what they do. So I, I don't know, D. I, it, was a, it was a really difficult weekend. And um, the murder of Ella French is, it's just, it's a haunting and it's going to haunt this city for a long, long time. But what we're going to learn from it, I do not know. Knowing Chicago will probably take all the wrong lessons from it. And I hate to be so cynical and jaded, but that's where I'm at right now. All right. And you asked, what does Donald Trump think about it? Well, let's ask the man himself. Right, that wasn't even words. And I tested very positively in a... In another sense. So this morning, yeah, I tested positively toward negative, right? So, no, I tested uh, perfectly this morning, meaning meaning I tested negative. It's like the last four years were just a strange dream, right, Ben? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Very bizarre. <laughs> Uh, All right. So times that's where Donald Trump and I kind of come together with our sound effects. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is this right here? <laughs> sounds a little like cat in the bag. Just saying. No way. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Donnie. I, I see it. I see it. Because <laughs> it sounds like cat out of the bag. You know, I see it now. I hear it now. I should say. All right. So for more on this, we go to, and Ben, try not to barf, Fox News. Uh, Fox News, who loves ripping Mayor Lightfoot more than Ben likes eating fried chicken. I've heard you say that a few times. Yeah. Uh, so it seems like anytime something bad happens in the city of Chicago, Fox News has two go-to guests. Here's the first one. Fraternal Order of Police President John, why do I still live in this liberal city? Let's go Gators, Cat and Zara. <laughs> This officer, the first officer killed uh, during the tenure of Lori Lightfoot as mayor, uh, she spoke to the press just a couple of days ago. She said it out loud, the police are not our enemies, because unfortunately there are a lot of people in the United States who don't like police officers. Steve, she's a flag in the wind. For two and a half years that she's been mayor, she has vilified the police. She showed more emotion for Bobby, Bobby Rush popcorn gate last year during the riots or a botched raid, which wasn't botched, about a person who, a woman who was, you know, undressed when the raid occurred. There was more emotion coming from the mayor than there was for this officer, French, that was killed. It's disgusting. And now because the political climate says the defund policy and the police maybe aren't the enemy, now she has to pivot and now she has to be our best friend. It's too damn late. The men and women of this police department have no respect for this mayor, and it was as palpable as you could possibly imagine outside that hospital at the University of Chicago two nights ago. Realistically, 
She was, and, and just a little backstory: the mayor was told, do not come up to the seventh floor of that hospital and speak to the family or the officer who was still injured fighting for his life, Officer Yanez. But yet the mayor still thought she knew best and went up there against the advice of the family. And she was given a piece, you know, the, the, the officer's father gave her a piece of his mind and the officers up there all turned their back on the mayor and rightly so. It was the exclamation point to the sentiment that was outside on the street level for Officer Yanez and for Officer uh, French. Real quickly, what did the family tell her? Well, his father is a recently retired CPD officer himself, and uh, he basically, paraphrasing, there's blood on her hands. All right. John. Blood on her hands. That's uh, John Canizera. Botch raid. I think he's talking about Angela. Yeah, see, that's my point. <laughs> One of the things that made Ella French like such a like a role model, which says she realized that something wrong had been done to Anjanette Young. And like, unlike pretty much anybody else in a position of authority in the city of Chicago, and at the time the mayor was Rahm, and then followed by Lori, she sh reacted with compassion. And now, Canazera uh, can't even acknowledge a so-called botched raid. Listen, just imagine, D, if, if Lori Lightfoot had not gone up. Just imagine the outcry if Lori... What, just imagine what Fox would be saying if she hadn't gone up. Can you imagine? She wouldn't go up. And then Canazera, Johnny would be like, yeah, uh, she just no respect. No respect for police officers. She wouldn't go up. That's what they'd be saying. So what happened happened. We are in this moment a very divided city on this issue. And I've said this, I don't know who in this city can bridge that divide. I'm looking around the, I'm not seeing anybody. I'm certainly not seeing John Canizera. You know, I, the Fraternal Order Police, they've taken some extreme stands and they don't even acknowledge their extreme. They supported Jason Van Dyke. That's an extreme stand. I'm very sympathetic to Chicago police officers and the difficulty of their job. And I support them wholeheartedly in their fight to keep their pensions. But at some point, I think they must acknowledge that they're not perfect. And at times they do wrong, but no. Fraternal order police down the line, no matter what a police officer is accused of, they're always with them. Even I'm not even that way like, with teachers. I love the Chicago Teachers Union. I love the teachers. I feel sort of like them the way maybe John Canizera feels about police officers. But there's a lot of bad teachers out there. You know what I'm saying, D? They just when stuff pops up, they should be punished. I'm not gonna defend every teacher who's accused of some horrific deeds, misdeeds. There's, there's like D we're just, we are locked in these positions and Fox is just exploiting the hell of that. Hell of, it's just like the same question that asked about Trump. I'll ask about when is Fox TV 
done a damn thing for the city of Chicago instead of use the city of Chicago as what? A symbol of everything that Fox TV viewers despise to rally them against Democrats. So, yeah, Johnny Canizero goes on Fox TV, tells them exactly what they want to hear, fires them up. Lori Lightfoot is a centrist. Lori Lightfoot never, ever once defended to fund the police. Never, ever once, D, did she defend them. The people who, who say they want to defund the police can't stand Lori Lightfoot. They probably hate her as much as Johnny Canizero does. So it's so bizarre. They've created a figure that doesn't even exist. And now they're bashing her. It not only is it inflammatory, it's inaccurate. <laughs> what a joke. Now, like I said, Fox News has two go-to guests when it comes to Chicago news. One is John Catanzara, and the other is an alderman. And no, it's not Jeanette Taylor or Carlos Ramirez Rosa. Ben, can you imagine how that would go? <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> Unless they come on and just like yell at him. I won't let him finish your sentences, which... No, it's it's not either of those. I want an answer. It's not something you ignore. That's right. It's 15th Ward Alderman Raymond Lopez. Uh, Ray Lopez has been on Fox News quite a bit, and we've played audio uh, when he does appear, and we're about to do the same thing now. Uh, Ray Lopez was on Sean Hannity recently uh, to talk about this situation. I have some audio. Let's see how much of this we can get through. Shout out to Fox News. I got to say it. It's their audio. So here we go. Oh, ben, hang tight. Hang tight. I got to get this hooked up. We'll be editing this part out of the program. That's for oh, sure. Yeah. You know, all that other stuff Ben messed up on. We'll keep that in, but that's for <laughs> That's how it goes. Okay. We'll get rid of this. All right. Here we go. Here's the audio. Apologies for that. We got don't it. hear about the people's names, and it continues. How does it keep continuing week after week after week? I don't want to report on this anymore. I'm tired of reporting on innocent people getting shot and shot and killed. I'd love for us to talk about something positive one day, Sean, about the city of Chicago. But the fact of the matter is that we've had 38 officers shot at in the city of Chicago since Lori Lightfoot uh, has been mayor this year alone. We had... Ella French, who was gunned down and viciously murdered this past weekend. And I think the lesson that we've learned is that the only thing more dangerous than the gangbangers and criminals on the streets of the city of Chicago is Mayor Lori Lightfoot and her failed belief that she is in charge in helping the city of Chicago. She is, as you said, an absolute failure. And I think it's time that we start having discussions on whether or not she needs to step aside because clearly she is unable to protect the people but, or the but, but police in, in the fairness, city of Chicago. You know, Rom, Rombo, Deadfish, same thing. You know, Leo, we talk about this a lot. I mean, this woman is 29 years old, 73 people shot this weekend, but we don't know their names, do we, uh, Leo? No, we, we won't know their names because they don't focus on the victims. And I want to say some bro- guy named Leo, but your thoughts there on what uh, Leo had to say? Uh, well, you know, see, so uh, Raylo, I got to bring him on to talk about this. Uh, because he's in that situation. Uh, Proco Joe used to do this. Proco Joe used to go into uh, Fox. And uh, whenever he was at, what was the issue Proco Joe with a Fox? I care. Oh, the teachers union. <laughs> you know, I love teachers, but I hate the teachers union, which is an interesting comment to make since it's an association of teachers. And uh, so 
it's really difficult for a politician like uh, Proco Joe Moreno or Raymond Lopez who want I think Raylo wants to run for mayor. That's what I think. The next time he's on the show, I'm going to ask him that. I think it's pretty clear he wants to run for mayor. And it's going to be really hard to run for mayor if you're just what? Pounding? You're just like sounding like Trump? I'm not sure there's a path to victory there, D, uh, in the race for mayor. So he can't completely embrace every lunatic thing that Sean Hannity says on Fox. But at the same time, you know, he wants to distinguish himself from uh, Lori Lightfoot. And look, I will I will make a concession to Raylo. People go, oh, Ben, you're too nice to Raylo. But I thought his confrontation with Lori Lightfoot uh, last year at this, well, it was a little, it was about over a year ago, uh, after the George Floyd murder, uh, when his neighborhood was uh, rioting in his neighborhood, he wanted to know what the plan was. I thought it was a legitimate confrontation, and he was raising important issues uh, to Lori Lightfoot as in terms of what was the city's strategy dealing with the violence uh, that was breaking out and what, how were we going to um, apportion police over the next couple of weeks? And what were those police, like what were their instructions and how they're going to deal with uh, protesters, legitimate protesters? And so he was raising uh, important issues and uh, she didn't want to hear from him. And that's when they had that famous exchange or infamous exchange. So I'll say this, Ray Lowe, Raymond Lopez is in the world, is dealing more or less in the world of reality. Uh, John Canizera just exists in Trump world uh, and does not want to make any concession whatsoever to the fact that they're at like political odds with what? 80% of the city. So there's my uh, response to Raylo going on. Poor Raylo trying to distinguish himself somehow or other from Hannity. And then I have no idea who Leo is. I can't comment. Uh, it just was random Leo on the Sean Hannity show. I must have missed that particular episode, Dave. <laughs> well, go check it out on YouTube. Raylo Fox News. That's where I got it from. Uh, so there you are, everybody. That's the week that was in the city of Chicago and in the state of Illinois. As I was saying, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and so much more, chicagoreader.com uh, forward slash Jarofsky and wherever else you download podcasts. Be sure to check out this weekend's Benny J bonus interviews. Ben, who do you have lined up? We got uh, Ramana Hussein, David Ferris, uh, Chris Buddy, Evan Moore, Sarah Lazar. We got a full range. Oh, my God. All those people at the same time? Yeah, no, not at the same time. Stay in your lane, everybody. Uh, Dennis and I will be taking a much-deserved uh, week off. Thank you very much, everybody, for saying that. I uh, will be dropping shows all the time throughout the week. Uh, so we've lined up those interviews, and they're ready to go. And those are some of the people that will be uh, uh, the next week. I haven't figured out the exact lineup, but uh, stay tuned. And you'll find it. There you go, everybody. Yeah, we're taking the week off. Uh, so be on the lookout next week. Well, the week after next week, I guess we will be back. Uh, ChicagoReader.com. Uh, check it out. Benny J Show at gmail.com. Benny J Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can always call us 708 658 4788. Doogie, I know I didn't play your one voicemail, but I played that first one. It was really good. And uh, take care, and we'll see everybody next week. Absolutely. I want to uh, give a special shout out to the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy, Illinois, without whom this show would be possible. The man who does an incredible job every week dealing with the phone situation and Google Meet. The, <laughs> the we got man this. that Raylo 
and Johnny Canizares uh, will probably point out back home at all. They call him Dr. D. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Have a great week, everybody. See you in a week. It's the butter cow. It's the butter cow. nine hearts to represent the nine essential nutrients in milk. That's right, it's made entirely out of butter and, you know, it's a state fair tradition since at least 1922. It's the butter cow.